to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome back, everybody. And my guest today is one of the cheeriest, chirpiest, most lovable and loving people I know, Amy Valpone, who is the editor-in-chief of TheHealthyApple.com. Amy is a Manhattan-based celebrity chef, culinary nutritionist, professional recipe developer. Yes, there really is such a thing, and those people are very valuable to many of the health books you read. She is a talented food photographer, writer, and motivational speaker, specializing in simple, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and refined, sugar-free, clean recipes. Amy's story, I know, is going to be a powerful inspiration to you, and it's a story with a happy ending, and so that's why I brought her on to share with you how she healed herself from a whole series of chronic conditions, including chronic pain, Lyme disease, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypothyroidism, adrenal fatigue, and much more, exhausting thousands of doctors in the country and Mayo Clinic. This was before I knew Amy. She had just an amazing healing journey that she took herself on as a citizen scientist. She shares her story of how clean eating and healthy detoxification saved her life and inspires all of us to clean up our food too. Amy wrote a stunning book called Eating Clean. She lives in Manhattan, New York, where she cooks for a variety of clients, including celebrities and people with busy lifestyles who enjoy healthy, organic whole foods. Amy's work has appeared far and wide on Martha Stewart, Fox News, WebMD, The Huff Post, Food Network, Glamour, Clean Eating Magazine, Shape Magazine, Prevention Magazine, PBS, and many others. Amy, it is such a joy to have you here today because I always love chatting with you. You are an uplifting, teeny tiny sprite of a human being, but with a big story. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love your work just as much. Thank you. And you're just an amazing supporter. So thank you for that too. I always appreciate just how positive (laughs) you are. You really are very uplifting, but it wasn't always so easy for you. So take us back, take us back to when you started not being well and what happened to your life? What happened in your life? Definitely. So 10 years ago, I was living in Manhattan and I was, you know, starting out my career in marketing, working at Vogue magazine, thinking I was climbing the corporate ladder, just leaving business school. And I was about 95 pounds. I couldn't gain weight. And my legs started swelling with about 40 pounds of fluid every day. So it was pretty intense edema and no one could figure it out. And so one day I just went to my general practitioner and he did some blood work and called me at lunch the next day and said, you need to get to this doctor's office as soon as possible. And I said, you know, I'm totally fine. It's just some water retention in my legs. I'll go to the doctor tomorrow. And he said, no, I need you to get up and go now. And so I jumped on the subway and went downtown. And the address he gave me was St. Vincent's Cancer Center. And so I called him and I said, you sent me to a cancer hospital. Like, this is the wrong office. And he said, no, you need to go inside. We think you have leukemia. And from that point on, my entire life changed. And they literally took my insurance card, bent me over, gave me a bone marrow biopsy. And For the next, gosh, probably seven years, they tried to figure out what was wrong with me because I did not have leukemia. 
but I had pretty much everything else that you can imagine. And so I went from doctor to doctor, steroids, painkillers, water pills, uh, was even given 24 hours to live with C. diff colitis and was put on morphine. And when I was on disability from my job, laying there with the morphine in my arm, I said, if I survive and I make it, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to, to helping people realize that they're not crazy and I'm going to heal myself and I'm going to show others that it's possible to do the same. And so that's what I did. I quit my job and started the healthyapple.com and started to figure out how to heal myself and how to get off drugs. And that's what led me to functional integrative medicine. You know, Amy, when you said that you got that address for St. Vincent's Cancer Hospital, I have to tell you, like my heart just went into my throat and I got chills. And I just think of all the women, all the people who are given these terrifying misdiagnoses that just stop you in your tracks and are so wrong. And thankfully, you had an amazing turnaround, but many people spend their lives never getting a diagnosis. I, I mean, I meet so many women with Hashimoto's, other autoimmune conditions who have had seven, 10 or more years of struggling with symptoms before they got a diagnosis. So I just really, my heart goes out to you and to what you went through, but to all the listeners who are struggling with that, what, what was it that you think rose up inside you and kind of said, I got to take control of this. I got to take back my health. You know, it's, it's interesting. Everyone asks me that. Everyone is always like, you're so positive And how did you get through this and all of that? And you know, what's funny is I look back in the Western medicine part as terrible as it was, the amount of hospitals I was in and CAT scans and MRIs and upper GIs and colonoscopies. I mean, everyone knows the drill. It, I, when I found functional integrative medicine, you know, I, I have patients and I know patients that find functional integrative medicine, they cut out gluten and they're completely better. Or, you know, they, they figure out it's their adrenals or thyroid. But for me, it took, you know, functional medicine was incredible. It found probably about 15 things that Western medicine had missed. And it took me, you know, probably five years of functional medicine to find the Lyme and the, the hypothyroidism and the leaky gut and the candida and all these things. And I just kept, I kept pushing and I literally, you know, it's funny. I say to all my clients, you really have to be, you, you, you have the power, right? Doctors have, are incredible. I've worked with some of the, the best doctors in the country, the functional medicine doctors, integrative medicine doctors, but they became my friends. I mean, every doctor that I ever worked with gave me their you know, personal email. We got on the point where it was, we got to the point where it was just so it was like it was like a friendship. We trusted each other. I would go in with a page of questions, and I researched. I was not the patient that walked in, listened what to do, and left. I wanted to know how to heal my body and what candida was and why all these antifungals were not working and, you know, what was going on. That, it was so important for me because I knew I wasn't getting better. And so a lot of these doctors... Um, even a lot of the functional medicine doctors learned, they said that, you know, they like almost used me as their guinea pig because they learned a lot from my case because I wasn't just a regular case. And so it was almost like I was a science project and I found, I found joy in that. And I found it really uplifting and empowering to know that I was behind this and I was helping myself feel better. 
It's so interesting that you say that I was a science project. One of the things I try to encourage my patients to think about as they are going through their healing process is to really just get curious with what's going on with their body. It's so easy for us to, I mean, and it's natural when we're not feeling well, it's very easy to get down. And a lot of the chemicals that are coursing through your body when you have inflammation can actually make you feel depressed and anxious. But when you get curious about it and sort of embrace the process as an experiment, as opposed to getting into the like, I'm the victim, what did I do wrong? Why is this happening to me? It can really open up a lot of possibilities. So I think it's very powerful that you looked at it that way. And, and I just want to say for listeners who are not familiar with functional medicine, if you're dialing into this show and you're new to it, functional medicine is sort of a systems approach to getting to the root causes of what is going on with someone's health. So rather than just making a diagnosis based on a disease, we like to look at what are the underpinnings that led to that disease process in the first place. So we look at what's going on with someone's personal story and their life and their history and trauma and stress. We also look at the gut, environmental toxins, detoxification systems, and much more. And that starts to form a whole picture. And for me as a functional medicine doctor, and I, and integrative medicine is really a, a similar systems approach, but it has much less of an architecture or an organizing principle. Integrative medicine is really much more, it integrates all the modalities that are out there from all the way from a very alternative therapies to, you know, chemotherapy and radiation therapy, as does functional medicine. But the emphasis of integrative medicine is much more about the whole person. So this functional integrative approach is a really powerful way to both have your story heard and feel really cared for and to get the best of Western medicine, but from a slightly broader or different lens. And for me, as a woman practicing this form of medicine, I very much take a woman-centered approach, looking at the whole ecology of what is going on in someone's life. And so, Amy, for you, I'm curious about a couple of things. When you started to get sick or, or when you got sick, were you able to sort of look back at the sort of trajectory of your life, the narrative and the story of your life, and look there for clues? Like a lot of women who have autoimmune conditions. And I don't mean to pry mm -hmm. into any personal trauma, but do you have a backstory that you oh, feel like affected your stress level or, or, or were you able to sort of look at your yeah. life story? Yeah. Tell us what was going on. You know, you don't have to get too personal if you don't, you know, whatever you want to share. Of course I'm, I'm an open book. I, I feel like the more I share, the more I can help other people. And so, you know, it's really, I found this just so fascinating and I knew I could get to the root cause of it. And, you know, going back really quick on one thing that you just said in terms of getting out of the victim role, I mean, that's something that will, will I feel like be a big part of my next book because I, I found that just in the last two years dealing with a lot of the hormonal imbalances, I had to learn things like patience and self-love and self-care and getting myself out of this victim mentality like this is this is how it is. I'm you know I'm sick or whatever it is, and learning how to really love myself and have patience. Like if I have a bad day, you know I sleep. I'm say I'm sleeping like ten hours a night from my hormones. I used to wake up and get so mad at myself and be like, oh my god, it's eleven o'clock. I've got five hundred emails. Uh, everybody else has already gotten four hours to work. I'm never you know. And then I was like, Amy. Your body is healing. You're not like everybody else. You got to stop comparing yourself. You know, I pulled myself off of social media. I mean, I do social media for my business, but 
I stopped looking at what everybody else was doing, and I focused on my body and started doing things to take care of myself. So I think that what you brought up was so, so important, and it's such a point that I never looked at. I never looked at the mind-body part of it until the very last stage of, of trying to heal. So I just wanted to add that in. Um, but yeah, so with my journey, you know, it's funny. I just said to my mother, I just said this to my mother about six months ago. So we traced back all my blood work till when I was about 10 years old. And I highly recommend that for anyone that's going through something that they can't figure out what's going on. Because what I did is I went back to my parents' house and we laid out all the blood work from when I was 10 and looked back, and we found that my white blood cells were chronically low. They were about 1.2 when I was 10 years old. And it was highlighted. It was, like, chronically low. No one caught it. My parents never got a copy of the blood work, nothing. So my white blood cells were that level at 10, and here I was, 22. Now I'm 33. But you can imagine, you know, the, the doctors say I probably got bit by Lyme disease, you know, when I was 6 or 7. And then, you know, my immune system started to shut down. And then all of a sudden, all of my organs started to shut down. But even before that, what I started to realize was I started asking my parents more questions. So I, I remember my mother always saying, you know, as a baby, you were so colicky the second you came out of me. And I was like, that's weird. And she said, I'd always try to give you formula. And she said, you every time you had milk or anything, you were so sick, even as an infant. And so back then, no one knew, you know, dairy could be a problem. And so we found out when I was about probably five years old that I was lactose intolerant. So I, I had cut dairy out. But I had stomach issues as a kid. I mean, as a kid, I was getting upper GIs, lower GIs, colonoscopies, endoscopies. But it wasn't like I was in chronic pain. It was more like an IBS kind of thing. And so when I started to just research this even more, I went into um, this really, really, really intense candida that was so bad that it pretty much put me in bed for four months last year that I couldn't even get out of bed. And the antifungal I was on was so intense that I, I literally was like, what's going on with my body and how did this get this bad? Because I haven't eaten sugar in like 20 years. I eat so clean, you know, fruits and vegetables, lean protein, no, no yeasty foods, no starchy foods. And so I talked to my mother and my mother is 100% Polish, but my father is 100% Italian. So when my mother was pregnant with me, she would say, always tell me, oh my gosh, I ate tons of pizza, tons of pasta, all of these really like yeasty foods. And my mother's body type wasn't used to that. She was used to like post chicken and string beans, you know, growing up Polish. And so I like put this together and everything started to click that like, my mother's immune system, you know, all of this kind of these candida foods, you know, somehow triggered my immune system. I came out of her already just like kind of like this Petri dish. And all of a sudden, all of this, you know, right away, I was allergic and reacting to dairy. And, and then my whole childhood, I had all these symptoms that no one was really looking at. And so by the time I turned 20, you know, 22, my legs were swelling with fluid. My lymphatic system was a mess. You know, my, my hemoglobin, I mean, it, it looked like my blood work, I mean, it looked like everything was off. There was, I don't even think there was one thing that was on. I mean, my sodium wasn't even uh, normal. So that's, I, I kind of just put this picture together and, and really put this whole storyline together just throughout the years to try to figure out kind of what happened. Um, so that's, I mean, that was, it was really fascinating to look into that and it kind of made sense. And I think a lot of people, too, blame themselves. And I, I had to 
really learn how to forgive myself for going through all of this. I think that was a really big part of it and learn to just work with my body. You know, I, um, I've been through so much. My weight has fluctuated ridiculously because of, of fluid and water weight and lymphatic stuff and hormones. And it's it's hard to to learn how to love your body, or at least it was for me. And especially when you're going through all this and getting bone marrow biopsies and muscle biopsies and you want to cry every day. But I literally would put myself in Indian style in front of my mirror and look at myself every night and I would cry but I would just look at myself in the mirror and be like you're going to figure this out I have no idea how it's going to how it's going to go but you are going to help so many people and you're going to make it and just I had to stay in the moment because if I kept thinking oh my god tomorrow I have lymphatic drainage and then I have to go to the you know the hematologist and then I have I mean it was like my full-time job I would get so overwhelmed I would like break down so I just took it day by day by day which People have talked about before, but I literally was just like baby steps every step of the way. That's that's really how I managed because looking long term, even to the next week, it was just it was way too much to handle. It's almost the name of your next book, Amy, Baby Steps. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. So to this, I handed my book in December or January first, two thousand fifteen, and then five days later, they had me on progesterone cream because I had lost my period for ten years with Lyme disease. And they increased my progesterone dose too much, and I, I was overdosed. And so I went from 100 pounds to 170 in five days, and my hair went from blonde to brown. And so pretty much my whole endocrine system, like, shut down. And so the last year and a half has been such a journey for me. I, when I say harder than colitis and harder than Lyme disease, when you're a 33-year-old woman, you gain, you go from a zero to a 10 in five days, and your identity on the outside completely shifts. It it forces you to go inside and in yourself and meditate and get quiet and and ask. And at the time, it was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. I I cried I think every day for like five months, and then things just started to shift, and I started to realize this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me because if none of that happened. I would not understand hormones and I wouldn't have taken the time to like learn how to, I know it sounds so cheesy and silly to people because 10 years ago I would have been like, lady, you're crazy. But to really learn how to love myself and realize that you have the power, like you can heal yourself as silly as that sounds. I'm not telling anyone to self-diagnose anything. You need doctors, but you can do this. Like you can figure it out and you can help yourself. And, and the body is smarter than than a lot of us think. And I think that getting better, I wanted to do all of these different modalities and all these different things. And sometimes it's the basic things, like like things you talk about too, you know, the belly breathing, getting you back into the parasympathetic and, and learning how to like take care of yourself and feed yourself right and not stand up and inhale food and go sit in a corporate job and be stressed out all day, you know? Absolutely. And even if we are in corporate jobs or have a lot of kids at home or both, you know, so many people are really experiencing so much work stress, but can't necessarily just step away from it. So many of these things apply and and maybe even more so taking little breaks throughout the day. I just did a podcast a few weeks ago with Pilar Gerasimo. For those of you who are in jobs where you can't step away, you can't quit, you can't just create another life right now, learn about the ultradian rhythms that Pilar and I talk about 
check out my blog on the quickie. It's not what it sounds like, but having a quickie a few times a day can be transformative. And again, it's not what it sounds like. It's a breathing exercise. And you know, this piece that you talked about, Amy, about sitting there and looking in the mirror and crying, I actually talk to myself in the mirror. Sometimes when I need a pep talk or if I'm just having a hard time, I've actually sat down. I have a full length mirror that's in one of my hallways and it's my, you know, my changing mirror, my dressing mirror. But, you know, when I've had a hard time or been stressed, I've actually just sat down cross-legged spontaneously on the floor in front of the mirror crying and kind of giving myself the love that I needed, just telling myself, hey, you're okay and this is normal. And I haven't had certainly the level at all, you know, knock wood, my health has been good, but just, you know, stressful moments that come up in life. But that giving ourselves that love that we want, that we need. And especially for women who didn't get the mothering that they need or aren't in partnerships where they get that support, just looking at yourself and loving yourself the way you would a small child or your best friend who was going through stress can be profoundly deepening and self-compassion creating and transformative because not only do you get the love you need, but it actually calms down the stress hormones that drive so much of the inflammation that creates imbalances in our nervous system and in our immune system, much like you you sound like you were going through, Amy. And even, even we know that what's going on in our stress response system has an impact on our white blood cells and has an impact on other immune regulatory molecules. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny, I think even, you know, a lot of my friends are, you know, whether they're teachers or my sister, you know, has a corporate job and they're always asking me for, for things that they can start to do. And I've had them like just start to, I mean, I know meditation, it sounds so intimidating, but even just closing your eyes a few minutes, like on your commute or, you know, going into the bathroom at work and taking, I used to do that, go into the bathroom at work and close the door and just take a break and, and learn breathing or get outside for a few minutes of fresh air or make sure you're breathing from your belly. Just like those little things that you can really do to kind of just pick your day up and shift you back into kind of that, you know, try to get back into that rest and relaxation mode instead of always being in that kind of, um, you know, instant, constant, you know, stress response. Yeah. In the book I have coming out in January, I call it survival overdrive syndrome. That's, you know, we're just all stuck in survival mode with this constant overdrive. And it's almost like our culture as a whole has gotten stuck in this achievement, sympathetic driven nervous system to where we have forgotten to give ourselves permission to do the basics, chew our food, go to the bathroom, take a minute outside, deep breathe, drink enough fluids, take a minute just to do nothing here and there. Completing, you know, that was so hard for me. I'm a type A personality. I was brought up like never having like stillness time. It was always like sport to sport to band practice to art class to, you know, traveling soccer to indoor soccer to, you know, which was amazing and great. But I never knew how to just be with myself. And I think that a lot of people don't really know how to just be with themselves and just be because I used to be like, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I should be, you know, I shouldn't be just resting here and re- reading a book. It was hard for me to like lay on my couch and read a book. I mean, I was like, I just didn't feel worthy of it. And I was like, what are you doing to yourself? You know? 
Yeah, I call it shitting on ourselves. We're always shitting on ourselves. Even when we are resting, we're thinking of what we actually should be doing. So we're never quite resting. So you, you had to make some big transitions. I'm guessing from what you were sharing that the way you were eating before you got sick was different than the way you ate to heal yourself and the way you eat now. Is that, is that correct? Yes. So what transition? Yeah, it was. It was... It wasn't, you know, it's interesting. We, I, I was brought up very healthy. It's not like we, we ate bad at all, but we never ate organic. Um, you know, I would drink Crystal Light. I used, you know, I can't believe it's not butter because I couldn't do a lot of dairy. I did, um, you know, I chewed a lot of uh, Trident gum. And in college, I ate, drank a ton of Diet Coke. But it wasn't like I was a packaged food person. Like I ate pretty much ate pretty clean, you know, chicken and vegetables. But never organic. So, you know, it took me until I had colitis. And then I started, um, I went back to school to Institute for Integrative Nutrition and started to learn a little bit about whole food, more whole foods and organic. And once I started to realize all the toxins that were in my food, I started to realize, oh my gosh, well, my liver enzymes were pretty much through the roof for my my entire 20s. It looked like I was an alcoholic and I hadn't touched a drink in 10 years. And so I was like, I bet I could do this. I bet if I went organic and started to clean up the way I was eating, I could do this. But you know what? It was really hard. It was not easy. And I actually need to write a blog post on this because I called it like detoxing from like Crystal Light and Splenda and Diet Coke was probably one of the hardest things I have ever done. I mean, my body craved it, craved it. So it's almost like these foods are like drugs for us. And so, you know, getting off of them was really, really hard for me. And I just had to start to figure out how to create real sweetness without that sugar. So, you know, using different things, starting to get into like spices and lemons and limes and you know, cinnamons and putting cinnamon sticks in all my teas and, you know, putting at least like a whole, um, like a whole orange or a whole uh, lemon or a whole lime in, you know, my glass of water to get a ton of flavor. And at first it was gross. I wanted to like spit it out. But mm-hmm. over time, after about a week, I was like, oh, this is so easy. And now I look at a Diet Coke and I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks like, you know, like windshield wiper fluid to me. Like I would never, I, I was like, how did I drink that for so long? So I think it's like we have this shift, but when we're in the moment, we can't, we, I like wanted the high from the Diet Coke or I wanted the high from the Splenda or whatever it was in my tea. And so it almost made me feel better and like somehow gave me more energy And so, but I wanted it. And when I cut it out, I was craving that. But once I started to slowly figure out all these, you know, new foods, even things like fresh herbs and, you know, full fat coconut milk, you know, creating a lot of these different flavor profiles um, that I talk about in my book, like chickpea miso, which is soy free, you know, thick turmeric, um, using a lot of sauerkrauts, you know, trying to get that nice, like sweetness, but then also all the salty flavor because I didn't want to deprive my taste buds. I knew if my food tasted bad, I would never last. So for you who are listening, Amy is a master of creating gorgeous food. And I am a strong believer that food is an important part of pleasure. And when you deprive yourself, like Amy said, of sweet flavors, salty flavors, savory, you really can't stick with it. And especially if you're making the transition to kind of a typical American diet where your taste buds are so overloaded, 
It's really important to have food that's visually and sensually appealing and tastes delicious. And, you know, Amy made an important point that it took her about five days for her taste buds to recorrect. It may seem like you're never going to be able to live without those foods that you're accustomed to, but I can tell you every single patient I have worked with has said after about three to seven days, their taste buds have really shifted and corrected back toward a comfort with a normal amount of sweets that we get from our grains or simple sweets if you can tolerate them like maple syrup or coconut nectar. And you will find that what you would have tolerated as salty food in a restaurant is just unbearably salty once you get used to eating this way, that it can almost burn your tongue. So I want to give you just a few of the names of some of the recipes in Amy's book, Eating Clean, the 21-day plan to detox, fight inflammation, and reset your body. The book is a visual treat. Amy sent it to me to read and look at, and I love it, and I love the recipes. So I'm just going to give you a a smattering to give you an idea of what's in here. Amy's grain-free granola, massaged kale salad with spicy hazelnuts, outstanding mango green dream salad with gluten-free herb croutons, warm me up sweet basil curry with Brussels sprouts and millet. Let's see, fire roasted peppers and tomatoes with herbs for folks who can handle nightshades. And Amy will tell you in her book about that. And let's see, grilled bok choy with creamy cumin tahini sauce. And then she has got an array of stunning desserts. And I know these sound fancy, but these are simple recipes with accessible ingredients, very detailed instructions, but easy to follow. So just an example of some of the desserts, gorgeous ginger ice cream, vanilla mango popsicles, easy raw chocolate coconut banana tart, and raspberry thumbprint cookies that are mini raw and grain-free. I can go on and on. She gives you weeks of menu suggestions, an anti-inflammatory pantry list, places to order, foods and food supplies, lists of the cleanest cosmetics and household products. I mean, it's really, you've done a beautiful job, Amy, and you've made it so not to make a pun on purpose, but more than palatable, but delicious and a feast and a treat in every way. So thank you. I think too, like one of the biggest things, cause I know how hard it is for anyone listening to cut things out. And, you know, I heard, you know, people switching from, you know, Splenda to cinnamon. And I was like, please, like, there's no way I could do that. But one of the things that really helped me in my twenties when I was sick is I made a, a, I took, ripped a piece of paper out and I made a few categories like you know, sweet and savory. And I just started making a list. It was like two columns, one sweet, one savory, a line down the middle. And every time I would find something that gave me like a sweet flavor, like cinnamon or cinnamon sticks or orange zest for anyone out there adding orange zest to like a salad, you will never with a little bit of uh, olive oil and a little bit of that orange juice, you'll never miss salad dressing ever again. So I started to do this like for savory. It was like parsley and basil and fresh rosemary and, you know, that chickpea miso I talked about, um, you know, raw cacao powder, you know, cocoa powder, all these things like under the sweet side, unsweetened coconut flakes. So I started to just put smack this list on my fridge because every time I wanted this Splenda or I wanted whatever, I can't believe it's not butter or whatever, I ended up making something with those foods. And because they were right in front of my face, I didn't kind of freak out. And I was like, oh, I can just, like in my book, I can soak a bunch of cashews overnight and make a cream 
like a coconut cream sauce tomorrow and it's super sweet or you can make it savory. And so that was a real saving grace for me. And it's just, it's something that you can do, you know, ongoing, just put it on your fridge. And every time you have something else, just put it on there. I mean, it could be something as little as having like, like ground cardamom, which is very great for desserts. You could put that under the sweet column and then curry powder or turmeric or something under the savory. And, and it's really amazing when you just look at these flavor profiles and you add them. Sometimes I'm just like, I mean, I feel like I'm sure you can agree. Fresh herbs alone are just a powerhouse. I never realized how much flavor they had. And flavor, in addition to the fact that studies have shown that adding even a small bit of fresh or dried herbs, oregano, basil, onion, garlic, any of the ones you've named, turmeric, uh, cinnamon, cardamom, cumin, any of these, actually boosts metabolism enough to actually cause weight loss in people who are trying to lose weight, but not weight loss in folks who don't need to. It just gets your metabolism to where it should be. But also you get powerful antioxidant benefits. So you're adding detoxification benefit naturally to the foods you're eating. You know, and I also loved what you said, Amy, about having something that you put on the refrigerator because part of learning to eat well is just making a mental habit shift. And so if you have the Splenda there to reach for, you're going to reach for it. But if you clean out your pantry, it's not just cleaning out our diet, but clean out your pantry so it makes it really hard to do the thing that you're not wanting to do, but then give yourself an actual list of alternatives. It can be actions when you feel like you're, you know, you're hungry, but you're not really hungry. It's more emotional. Have a little list of things on your fridge that you're going to do instead that can remind you because in that moment, you know, you said these foods are like drugs. They are actually physiologically addictive. And so you have to have something else to do. It's like when I'm working with a patient trying to get off of cigarette smoking, if they wake up every morning and have a cigarette and a coffee with their newspaper, if they don't switch the habit of the newspaper and the coffee, they're still going to want the cigarette, right? So they have to have other things to do. So having a list of other foods you can turn to and other activities that you can turn to when you're in that moment where your addiction is sabotaging your ability to make a good conscious choice can be a great tool. So I love that. Well, no, I was just going to end by saying I'm sure you can agree completely that it's like, you know, everyone uh, says, you know, eating clean, oh, it's hard to cut this out, it's hard to cut that out. But, you know, my best advice is it's we're not telling you to do this because you should do it. We're saying it to do it. We're telling you to really do this because once you see life this way and once you see how flavorful and really, I mean, I'm living proof. Like, I live in the middle of Manhattan and I'm 33 years old. If I can make life taste delicious, like, I, I'm living proof that you can do it. I have a very small kitchen, but we're telling you to really just, we're really kind of showing you that once you see life this way, you'll never go back. Once you see how good that you can feel without gluten or dairy or soy or whatever these inflammatory foods are, you like, why would you ever go back to the, the crappy way that you felt? You know, it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but once you see how great you can feel, you'll never think twice about going back to your old ways. I love that. It's so true. Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story so openly and generously for this gorgeous, gorgeous work that you're doing. If you want to find out more about Amy, follow Amy. She's got recipes, tips, articles, blogs, wonderful resources at her website, www.thehealthyapple.com. And I highly encourage you to, if you love cookbooks, if you want to read more about the elimination diet in a really loving, friendly, fun way. And if you want to do things like detox your medicine cabinet, your kitchen, your 
cosmetics, your household products. This book is beautiful. Eating Clean, The 21-Day Plan to Detox, Fight Inflammation, and Reset Your Body. And my friend and colleague, Amy Valpone. Amy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.